I knew I was Ethiopian, but it wasn't a thing. I grew mm. up in Rogers Park, which is a very diverse neighborhood, and everyone was from somewhere else. So I really didn't recognize I was Ethiopian or African or other until I went to college. Mm. And that's when I clung to my blackness. Welcome to Foreign-ish, where guests share their stories about being a first-gen American. I'm your host, Sukuta Jenny. Today I have Yemisarach Urku, or Yemi for short, or Yums, or Yem Yem, or what name would you prefer? Yemi. Yemi. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that is such a pet peeve of mine, by the way, when Yemi. people are like, I just met, or like, you know, I, they met me once, they're like, oh, Sirkutie, and I'm like, I don't, it just, it, it's a cringe. So introduce yourself to the audience real quick. Sure. Okay. So I'm Yemi. I go by Yemi. Um, I'm born and raised in Chicago, Rogers Park neighborhood. Woot woot. Woot woot. Um, <laughs> let's see. Went to Lincoln Park. I'm going to do the whole spiel. Do it. Went to UW-Madison. Went to Loyola for grad school. I also do work in business. I am a cost manager at an industri- online industrial supplier. Um, but I have many interests. I'm a serial generalist, not an expert in one. <laughs> Jack of all trades, Jack master of, of none. Jack of all trades, master, <laughs> absolutely master of none. Um, Same Z's. So um, that's, that's me. Awesome. Let's get into it. Um, we're sitting in her new pad. Well, it's not really new. She's had it, but like she's uh, entering this new chapter of her life and um, setting down fresh roots and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just came back from DC, mm-hmm. and I was trying to tell you to stay out there because Chicago's kind of stale. How do you feel about that? Why did you come back? Um, life circumstances, honestly. Um, and also, I think I got the fix I needed out of it. Like I felt very stuck and stagnant in Chicago, and uh, more so than usual. And so rather than just take a trip, which usually does the fix, I I wanted to try out a city like D.C. that I've been to many times, but um, this time I wanted to spend a decent amount, about a month, and in my own space. So I rented an Airbnb, and I loved it. Um, And I could definitely see myself living there, but I love Chicago summertime and Chicago in the summertime is the best and when I came back I felt like you know that trip or excursion served its purpose and I'm actually okay I I just needed my own space moving back into my own place it was something I was excited about and spending summer in Chicago was a good motivator to come back why did you pick DC like why not go to LA or Atlanta or something else like did you know people in DC or yeah, I have a few friends there. Um, L.A., I know people as well, but it's just never been my vibe. Um, really? I love L.A. <laughs> D.C. feels like Midwest, but a little bit more pretentious. Um, yeah. And I just loved the diversity. and It's so small, you can walk everywhere. <clears throat> and I know there's Maryland and Virginia, the DMV area. That's vast, but uh, D.C. proper was really convenient whereas LA it's so sprawling um even more so than Chicago and I'm like eh, 
I didn't care for it. Were you just like, because obviously we're Abisha and that's like Abisha Central, were you just like shopping for a husband? Like, let's be real. <laughs> I was open to it. Yeah. But the trip wasn't specifically to meet someone. It was to like get back to the things I like to do. Um, like what? Like walk and go to live music events and eat good food and meet new people, go to dance classes. Just like being active and stuff. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That doesn't require like a club and alcohol, <laughs> to be honest, like yeah. the whole nightlife thing. Getting back to the things I enjoy doing and I'm hopeful that when I do that, I'll find what I'm looking for in general, maybe with a partner or what have you, a friendship or whatever. But yes, that is a like, it wasn't a deciding factor or, or the motivator for me to try out DC. Um, but I was open to the prospect of meeting new people in general and mm. just wanted to get back to feeling like my active self. So I, I mean, were you looking specifically for, like, Abisha, or it didn't matter, like, who was there? Because we've had conversations about how, like, the dating pool in Chicago is not that great for, you know, young professionals of color and just, you know, the types of people that are here. I mean, like, what were you looking for? Mm -hmm. Um and I mean, is that, would Just you say that's diversity. an accurate description? Yeah. No, I think Chicago is great, uh, particularly if you're white. Like, yeah. it's the, it's heaven. Uh, <laughs> everything's catered to, you know, that demographic. Um, when you're looking for diversity, um, particularly like our age bracket, et cetera, it's just really hard. Everyone's married with children right now in Chicago, or they're just trying to live the Peter Pan life um, and be a child forever. Uh, DC, I think every city has, you know, my friends from DC say the same thing. Like the, the really? same thing I would say about Chicago. Yeah. These men, yeah, they may, you know, have all the accolades and look great, but you know, they're trying to live, you know, the night lifestyle. It's easy access in DC to like, you know, the Fuck party lifestyle. <laughs> yeah. So the grass is always greener. So I get that. Um, but it was a motivating factor because, you know, I feel like I've matured <laughs> out of Chicago. Yeah. Um, but it is a great city. I love the city. Um, but so you as would far go as to dating, like, it's, not, it's not the place for me. It's not the place for you. Okay. This age. So you're going to try, try your luck in the Windy City. Girl, I don't know. <laughs> or you just get them from another place and just convince them to, to live here with you. Yeah. You say that all the time. Like, I hey, say that's that. That's not a bad idea. Yeah, just go shopping in another city and then come back. Yeah. But the whole idea of like having to be with an Abisha, I've learned to let go. There was a moment in my life where like I was like, I need just to make life easier and just, you know, the shared morals and values. But um, I think I passed on, on, off on good people that mm. were not solely because they were not Abisha. And so... At this point in my life, I realize, like, you can... You're just open. Yeah. I'm a lot more open. I would still gravitate <laughs> more towards... It's easier, African right? in general, East yeah. African in particular, Ethiopian especially. You know what I mean? Like, so there's, like, tears to there's it. There's tears to it. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. I think birds of a feather, obviously, is the same. But it's not, like, a deciding factor, like a, a hell no mm -hmm. if I happen to meet someone. So why do you think, like... Because I, I don't know how you felt growing up, but... 
initially like you know when you start you know you're in high school or whatever college and you start thinking about like dating and all this other stuff i personally never found abisha guys to be like attractive or i wasn't into them in that way because i always felt like like everybody was just you know family. in chicago yeah everybody <laughs> we all knew each our families knew each other we were all related or like we were just all you know we all grew up together Maybe that's different in D.C. or whatever. But I just always felt like there was some sort of familial connection. So I just never looked at having an Ethiopian partner or whatever. And then, um, yeah, and then, I mean, I think that changed over time. Um, I think in my 20s is when I started thinking like, oh, they're not my cousins. (laughs) Yeah, like maybe I should start looking at them, you know, in a different way. But yeah, early on first of all dating in high school doubt yeah. i didn't do any of that like what <laughs> um my first boyfriend was in college um but yeah same and yeah. he wasn't abisha he was not yeah. he was not uh but was he a was he a neighbor <laughs> he was definitely a neighbor <laughs> he was a somalian yeah um really sweet guy and um I think I've gravitated towards um, just people who have had that immigrant experience or like child of immigrant. Yeah. It's just easier sometimes. But um, again, right now I'm, I'm open in general. Yeah. Why? I mean, you sound like you had a partner or partners in the past that maybe didn't fit that specific profile like maybe they were good or I don't know they weren't Abishat but like why did you feel like if if everything was going well why did you feel pressure did you feel pressured or you just felt like this would you know at some point something would go wrong or like what I think it was like looking for a feeling of certainty Mm -hmm. um and also timing plays a big part you know I've been in serious relationships and the one i'm thinking of that was not with an ethiopian or abisha uh was in my 20s and yeah i'm not i'm old enough but i'm also this like my first real real relationship out of college and so you don't want to enter something freaking out and i had never dated an abisha prior to that so i was like Mm. is this my it's it's just like timing honestly like now i look back like that person was a great guy i always say it's like he's like the one that got away Mm -hmm. but it it was meant to be like that like timing is everything and i was meant to have some interesting situations with my peoples and uh now i have an open mind preference but still an open mind yeah yeah um did you ever feel pressure from your parents to like, or your family to be with an Abisha person? Or did you feel like that was something that you just figured because that's what you mm-hmm. grew up with, that was something that you were supposed to do? I think early on it was more of like, yeah, you know, you should be with, you know, more jokingly so. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. Maybe they were, they were serious. But uh, as time went on, they became way more lenient. And now I think they're just like, whoever you bring... <laughs> We will love. We just want the grandbabies. (laughs) Bring a baby. Like, um, so I think I'm really lucky in that my parents are really chill in that regard. Mm -hmm. Um, They're just like, bring some grandchildren. But 
um, family in general, yeah, it's always a topic. Like, are you are you being too picky? You're too picky. I'm like, I really am not. <laughs> Do you ever feel like um, things might have been easier if? you know, you had like, and I don't know how you feel, but like if you, would you say you had like a close Abisha, like friend group and stuff growing up or maybe later in life or maybe you still don't have one? I don't know. Like how, how would you? Yeah, I would say I grew up with Ethiopians. My dad ran uh, the community center here in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And so I did go to like, you know, after school programs and events and cultural programs I had family in Chicago, you. <laughs> so, uh, but I I think we talked about this before where like I knew I was Ethiopian, but it wasn't a thing. I grew mm-hmm. up in Rogers Park, which is a very diverse neighborhood and everyone was from somewhere else. So I really didn't recognize I was Ethiopian or African or other until I went to college. Mm-hmm. And that's when I clung to my blackness and actually thought of myself as Ethiopian, black, African, whatever. But before that, no, I just... What made you, what in college, like, what was the catalyst for you saying, like, aha? Going to a predominantly white school and feeling very out of place. And also, you know, it's Madison. I came from a bigger city. It's just a lot of change. Uh, I also was a part of a really great scholarship group um, through the uh, Posse Foundation. Mm. Um, and so there was like a network of people there on campus, a diverse group of people from Chicago, from LA, from a, and then they added uh, DC. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was a great experience. Um, and then since then, I kind of clung to it. Mm-hmm. And when I came back to Chicago, I experienced it through many lenses. So um, Caribbean, Black American, Just Ethiopian. The whole yeah, yeah, I experienced all of it and i i like going in between different settings and trying new things um i think the only consistent part is that i'm very black <laughs> blackity black black you might have to edit that out no that's, <laughs> i'm so pro black that's thing how did you answer like the question of you know, if you encountered people like, oh, what are you? Like, they're trying to put you in a box or trying to identify your ethnicity or, like, where you're from. Um, how did you answer that? And, like, do you do you answer, like, with your ethnic, you know, side? How do, With your American mm-hmm. side? How do you identify yourself? Yeah. I think it depends on the situation and how they ask that question and who, mm. who's asking. Um so amongst another African, I'll just say I'm Ethiopian. Because uh, they get it. Right? Because yeah. they, they get it. And I, they probably bet it already. Like, they're yeah. like, ah, okay. <laughs> Your face. <laughs> yeah. So, but amongst, like, maybe, you know, a white American, uh, I'd be like, I'm from Chicago. Mm, why? Because you know the assumption. Oh. Right? You think they're trying to place you? They're trying to place me. Um and I am actually born and raised here. So yeah. I do try to say, like, I'm American. I'm, I'm from here, but I'm Ethi- of Ethiopian descent. Mm. At least when Africans ask me, I say I'm Ethiopian, you know, born and raised here. I try to caveat. Yeah. Uh, but 
when it it just depends on the tone and like when they're trying to place me and it it bothers them because they know i'm not from here but i am from here Mm. you know um it really just depends in in my mood um, <laughs> do i feel like explaining do i feel like breaking it down and then talking about yeah oh it's in east africa you know oh you know are you guys starving no oh my god Did yes really but that? no yeah yeah i used to get like oh you're arab no I, i'd tell them like oh i'm ethiopian they'd be like oh so that's like egyptian and i was like not not quite i feel like also it just again it's like a regional thing like if you were in dc they would they, they, I mean, they, would, talk, they would talk to you in a park they'll be yeah. like oh you need unjo yeah <laughs> yeah they do um but in the midwest it yeah, was like i would have people tell me argue with me that i'm not black exact i've had that too i've had that too and actually i had a co-worker um we were the only black girls on the team Ugh. working in an international global expert department <laughs> And our boss, who's Italian American, said to her, "How does it feel to only be the black, the only black woman on this team?" And she's like, "Um, first of all, that's inappropriate. Yemi? That's yeah, an inappropriate question. Very inappropriate, very inappropriate." She told me this. She's like, "I think Yemi's black. No, no, she's Ethiopian." I'm like, "What?" So, oh my uh, God. it also had to do with me, like, in my early career days, trying to like cover up who I was. I don't do that anymore. So mm. you'll see me with like curly fro and, you know. So you were like straightening your hair and fitting I, into I'd that. I'd put it in a bun. I'd hide my hair. Mm. I'd hide my body. I'd hide anything ethnic about me or anything corporate America. Yeah, it was uh, wow. up until, um, yeah, my late, my like early 30s, I would say, that I just totally am my authentic self in, in at work, here, home, anywhere. Do you think that was just, I mean did that just play into the whole like person of color like just trying to fit into white america or did you was that something specific to like your ethnic identity i don't know if i tried to fit in i just tried to stay under the radar i wanted a job (laughs) and i treated it as such like i didn't have friends at my job Mm. um at the time and that's how people you know played the game and climbed the ladder i treated it as like a professional endeavor i showed up and i left and i also was i don't know oddly afraid of like sexual harassment so i like literally interesting would dress very wow boyishly (laughs) or like have experience getting like no but i heard stories of like not being heard and hr being buddies with Mm. heads of departments and um so uh, a lot of that and then old school advice from you know mentors that are like you know wear close toe shoes and you know never let your hair down and this was you know the advice of early 2000s mid mid to late 2000s not even that long ago it's not that long ago but it was very conservative in in the corporate setting um do you feel comfortable now to sort of be oh my gosh now it's completely different yeah night and day yeah that's good it's really good and i wish that's why i would never go back although like you would never go back where in in time Mm. like i really like like what i know now and my age and yeah like it would be nice to shave off a few years (laughs) but i would not go back in time what would you have told like your younger self stop caring so much about what others think Mm. 
that's very did you how so how did you approach like your interviews and stuff like like when you were first you know starting work and all that stuff like did you do the like straighten your hair or like make it like not ethnic so that you kind of just blend it in i don't know it wasn't a conscious decision to look less african or black or ethiopian it was just me trying to like get the gig yeah honestly yeah um because i've always been proud of who i was like i've been proud of like my height my body my skin like i i just at a certain point after high school i was very before that i was very self-conscious about a lot of things but once i got to college i was very confident in myself um but it was ultimately feeling like i had to be a little bit different to fit into the the corporate setting back to like when you were either in college or just like after college having um friends from different from other african countries and stuff like that how do you because i have certain thoughts and experiences with like how they approach ethiopians or like you know they're sort of you know everybody has obviously a stereotype or like concept of like someone from a different culture and that sort of Mm -hmm. thing but i feel like it's also just weird within like the continent itself like um did you i mean the discussion of like oh ethiopians are separate right we're different from the rest of the continent there's ethiopians in america um the feedback I always get is like, you guys don't like us. Like, mm. you guys are so other Africans exclusive. Other Africans, other African Americans. Yeah, um, you don't like us, and it's embarrassing. Yeah, because I find it to be true. Yeah, it's very cliquish superiority complex. And but Ethiopians in Ethiopia are very friendly, and so the ones I've talked to here who are American, who have visited Ethiopia. It's a different experience. It's night and day. I just wish the diaspora could be a little bit more open. Mm. Um, Even for people that were like born here, born and raised in the States? No, I guess it depends how they grew up. If they grew up in D.C., it is mm. still that mentality. Um, how we grew up in Chicago, some of it is pretty still clickish. Yeah. yeah. Um, but what I experienced traveling abroad, black Africans african-americans so the most welcoming inviting people and i just wish ethiopians could see that like Mm -hmm. if you were ever in a bind who has your back not these not these people here anyway the white people you can say the white people (laughs) yeah and it's just like you know when i was in sydney australia like it was a bunch of kenyans who just embraced Mm. me cooked for me and um you know, and I was like, in. you know, if this was Chicago and an Ethiopian community, they wouldn't have done this. Mm. And it's sometimes embarrassing, but I do think we make up for it on the actual in the actual country. We have very friendly, hospitable, welcoming people. That's my perception. I don't know if you had a, really? a different experience. I think, I mean, I think, yeah, we're definitely very cliquish. Um, I think... I think it depends where you go, right? Like, uh, if you're in a place where you probably don't see that many Abisha people, we're more likely to embrace them. Like, I know I've been in situations where... Um, you're like in 
I flew to like a place in Florida Dakota or something. No, yeah. <laughs> that I isolated, but I flew to a place in Florida um, a couple years ago and I was at the airport and I mean, this, we still had our, we still had to wear masks and stuff. And, um, I ordered something, uh, to eat and, uh, I don't know if I had to say my name or like, I maybe lowered my mask briefly to like, you know, uh, help the lady like understand me better. And I think she saw my face and then she was like, Oh, Abishanish, you know, like, are you Ethiopian kind of thing? And I was like, Oh yeah, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then she, she just like came over, like after I got my food and she, you know, she started talking and, you know, she was just like, Oh, she was excited. Yeah. yeah. She was excited. I mean, it was like Florida. I didn't, apparently there are a lot of Abishas in Florida and Tallahassee or somewhere, Orlando. I don't know. But, um, yeah, she was like, Oh, you know, everything, blah, blah, blah. And um, and then she, I was like killing time before I had to go to. I was there for a wedding, so I was killing time in the airport um, before I had to go. And she's like, "Oh, do you want coffee? Like, I can comp you. Like, it's not, you know." She was like, "Just, you know, people do that sometimes. I've had that happen in Atlanta." Um, but then there's also times where it's just like, yeah, if you don't, I've heard from when we used to do our happy hours and stuff like that. Like, you know, a lot of those people that came were transplants to Chicago, right? So that was kind of a unique thing. Um, but they were like, yeah, you know, I go to these places and like people are kind of cliquish and um, that sort of thing. So I think it just depends maybe where you are. I think, you know, people here in the States, the, you know, first gen or the general diaspora can be friendly and stuff. But yeah, I mean, especially like if I was to just go to D.C. and I didn't know anybody, I probably would feel a little intimidated um it's diverse enough to find people who are yeah yeah open yeah there's they have a good people on the spectrum of like i hate to say this word but like from fob to like (laughs) adapted um don't cancel me people uh but (laughs) (laughs) so you didn't really pay attention i guess to your blackness or africanness or ethiopianness like until you got to to um to college so and I think I always say that this is kind of like a regional thing because depending on where you grew up, especially like, you know, Chicago, the Ethiopian community is super small compared to like a DC or LA or Minnesota or whatever. I mean, do you think that, you know, with dating or just friendships and just other whatever relationships, like, do you think that would have changed if you were in a city that had a more significant Ethiopian population? I mean, I like I said, I think the grass is always greener. I think being in, if I was born and raised in, let's say, D.C. or Dallas, I think it would be limiting. What I hear is like, oh, it's hard to leave D.C. Mm. But I hear the same thing about Chicago. Like, it's hard to leave Chicago. So um, there's less of a population to work with here. <laughs> um, but I think, I don't know, I love meeting different people from different backgrounds like i couldn't just hang out with abishas all day every day Mm. or one type of friend or group or whatever like that feels very um limiting um to me yeah and it's kind of scary like the, the reason i was afraid of dc and i'm glad i experienced it myself because it was the opposite of what i thought um was because I thought I'd get tied into Kristina and like Lidet and Serg and every day doing things for other people who you hardly know. Mm. Um, 
Whereas, like, I feel, I felt like you could do your own thing in DC proper and then seek community out when, when you need. Yeah, um, I get that. And Chicago, because I'm born and raised here, it's the same thing for explants. Like when they transplants, when they come in to <laughs> this, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, hmm, interesting. Mm, transplants. Mm-hmm. Um, you can live an isolated life here without dealing with any other Avisha or the same with any other immigrant community. You yeah. can do your own thing in the West Loop or downtown. Be anonymous. And be, yeah, anonymous for years. And so, but because we're born and raised here, it's a little bit different. Um, and we're maybe jaded. But um, going going to D.C. served its purpose in that, like, I feel really reinvigorated. And, um, you know, I've done a lot of work to make sure that people in my life are have have the right energy to be (laughs) so like having you know a million friends is not my thing it's like you know quality over quantity yeah so when i come back to chicago i feel good i feel good with the people i interact with it doesn't feel forced i'm not exhausted and i also have boundaries key this is major key major (laughs) key like i know when if i don't want to do something you know, me forcing myself to do it will not be good yeah. for anyone involved. So why don't I just say like, no? <laughs> and that's a new. It's very hard for me to say no. I'm I think a that's people pleaser. Yeah, Yulunta. Yulunta. Yeah. It's too. We spend our whole lives, the one life we have, caring so much about what other people think or do, and I'm slowly like relinquishing it. Yeah, I'm not being an asshole or anything. I still think I'm kind and caring, but. You're all right. You're all right. <laughs> <laughs> and all that jazz, but um, I'm just doing a lot more things for myself right now. That's good. I mean, you were... So I guess I want to ask you about, obviously because your dad was a major figure in the Ethiopian community here in Chicago, um, uh, being the executive director for the association for like over 30 years. Um, did you ever... F- I guess, feel any pressure from the family side to, like, get involved and be into, like, you know, not necessarily the politics, but, you know, the sort of civic duty or just programming or any kind of involvement with the community. Um, Not necessarily as a child, but, like, you know, once you graduate and become an adult, like, to give back to the community and that kind of stuff. Did you ever feel pressure or how did you feel about what was it like, I guess, let's start there, having your dad be this sort of key figure? Yeah, I think early on it's hard because your every move feels watched. Mm. And uh, I remember I was in Milwaukee with um, like a longtime boyfriend in college and um, someone called my aunt and was like, oh, I saw Yemi with a guy in a mall in Milwaukee. She oh my called my God. aunt in Chicago. And now I'm like, and I'm like, okay so that part you know my parents are very supportive they've never asked me to like not be myself or like you know not do certain things they've never i don't i've never felt like any action i do would will disappoint them Mm. even if it's not the right action (laughs) and even if i make mistakes so i'm grateful in that sense but in my 20s i just didn't want to like shame people so I felt like I was uh, very hiding who I was, and now I'm like my full self in in any setting, in most settings, I would say. 
Um, so it, I felt like in, in my 20s, there was pressure to be a certain way. Mm. Um, but now I don't feel it. And it didn't really come from the family. It was just the community in general. Like, it, like how I said, it would just get back to them. But I knew whatever got back to them, no matter what, you know, I was, you know, when you, when you have family and friends that love you, you know, unconditionally, like whatever you do, it's fine. So it's, it feels good to, are you laughing at me? No, this is I'm great. I, no, 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 this is, you're, this is really good because I always wondered like, dang, like, you know, your dad is so famous. Like even in Ethiopia recently, he went back and, you know, with the new government, it's, you know, he was doing speech and he has yeah. this organization. So I was just like, dang, you know, how, I don't know how it would have felt to like yeah, live he, under that. He might just like shake his head when I'm like <laughs> clueless about certain news and political yeah. things. He has his lane. My mom has her lane. I have my lane. Um, we come together and somehow we're very different people. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't feel pressure to be like them or to be like my dad. And, That's good. And it came naturally early on and then I kind of pulled back a little bit and I do other things in my own way. Mm-hmm. Um, Why did you pull back? Good question. Was it? I think it's just a natural ebb and flow. I think I'll get back to the, my, my civic duties and mm. like outwardly giving my time and effort and volunteering and organizing. I think you do that for several years. You get burned out. You take yeah. a step back. I think I'm good on an individual basis. I think there are things I do. Um, but as far as like a community organizing, what I used to do with we created the auxiliary board mm-hmm. and I was on the board for Posse Foundation and all that um i'll find my way back in in my own style but i did take a step step back um to focus on life yeah focus on you Mm -hmm. yeah um do you think that i mean i think with any culture not specific to ours but it can be a little i don't want to say draining because it has a negative connotation but i think it can be like uh, we're very passionate people <laughs> and I think we can get pulled in a lot of directions and get caught up in a lot of, you know, as people who grew up here, born and raised here, you want to kind of, I think the focus is a lot on, you know, how to support the community here and facilitate the culture and doing all that stuff. But then, you know, as things evolve or happen back home and, um, you know, certain activities go which way or the discourse becomes a certain way, like, were you ever did you just want to stay away from that or were you fearful of like, you know, did you just have strong opinions and you didn't want to, or was it, was it really just to focus on yourself? Like, did that ever come into play? Like politics interfering with your involvement with the local community here? Um, I would, if you asked me like a few years ago, I'd say no. Hmm. Um, I'm born and raised here, so I don't have like, any affiliation. It wasn't until I went to Minnesota for college Africanite mm. uh, where, like, I realized the division there was amongst the same people. Honestly, I'm mm-hmm. so sorry, but it, yeah. the same people. Yeah. From the outside looking in, it just feels very ridiculous. And I had to call my parents. And I'm like, so I know we're Ethiopian, but what are we? Mm-hmm. What ethnic group? What ethnic group? Mm-hmm. And it's such a sad question. And then I saw it spreading into Chicago mm. um, after college. And people will be like, oh, so where are you from? I'm like, 
I mean, I'm Ethiopian. Mm-hmm. And I know this is another Ethiopian asking me, so I'm just being facetious, like, you You're know. being diplomatic. <laughs> I'm being, yeah, difficult. And, um, you know, I have no skin in the game because you could have told me I'm blue. You know, like, that's my ethnic group, purple. Yeah. Uh, and now we are like subscribing to these things that don't matter because we're all fucking mixed Mm -hmm. and it's really it's just really sad um i just feel like people are divided and um i do feel like i've you know lost touch with you know people i considered friends for various reasons but um it's just kind of sad because we're falling into um what what the west would like which is to create division and tension amongst the same people who should be united do you think that's a western thing though i feel like with um i mean Mm. it could be that but also you know within our culture we tend to have grievances and you know everybody's always playing victim and you know there are a lot of valid um concerns and and things like that that are brought up but um i think it's i always play this back um nature versus nurture Mm. um or just any politician that comes in the game Mm -hmm. starts off great yeah and then they end up failing doing the same stuff doing the same thing corruption all that stuff and so um i always wonder like hey if I had the best of intentions and I tried to enter a position of power, will I inevitably change? Mm. And I've come to the conclusion that probably yes. Because time and time again, all these like democratically elected leaders, not all of them in Africa, but uh, definitely not. But people that come in with such praise end up leaving or never leaving actually, just staying on until they pass (laughs) as president or leader of a nation. so that part is like anybody with any kind of power i guess i guess it gets to their head and they say like you should know your history so it doesn't repeat but we know it and it just it keeps repeating it keeps repeating Mm. so girl i don't know would you ever i mean i know you talked about like coming back to chicago and and doing stuff here but would you ever have you considered or would you ever consider like moving to Ethiopia, you know, yeah. where your family's from, like setting, not maybe temporarily or long term, like setting up roots there and working and living there? I would love that. I would love if I ever had a family to raise children partially there and here, um, or at least in their formidable years to spend some time there. Um, I think trying to do business or anything like that would eat me up alive. I don't think I'd survive or have the... It is tough. <laughs> yeah, the wherewithal to like look the other way and deal with stuff. Uh, but if I had like family that had something set up and maybe I worked for them or I had a international job that paid in USD or just honestly anything, anything that can ground me because when you're in the States for too long, you think this is what life is, and it's not. And then you go back, yes, it's chaotic, uh, but you realize like what life is all about, 
and then you come back into this whole like nine to five or till you're 65 mentality and you think that's normal again so i think for me i need to like step out of whatever reality i'm in for a bit every now and then because life is so big and vast and so once you start thinking this is it that's i think it's time to change things up so did you ever feel like when you traveled to ethiopia or when you were here like um you know did you feel ethnic enough or like ethiopian enough like if you travel to never, ethiopia never enough or here never enough of either and i've learned to accept that really? i'm not american enough i am not black enough i am not ethiopian enough mm. i am not african enough you're not enough but there's enough of us where we fit we and also i fit in every setting I can go to any setting and somewhat, you know, yeah, feel a community, which I think is a blessing. Like, I'm not limited to just one community. I think it's so cool. Yeah, you can. And I love people in many different types of communities. And I'm not subjected to just stay with one type of people all the time. Do you ever think about, like, when you're going about your, you know, thinking about your career or, you know, your just what you're achieving in life. And do you ever feel pressure as someone who was born and raised in the States and knowing the history of, you know, your parents coming over and, you know, kind of starting over? Have you ever felt pressure to succeed or like achieve certain milestones that you think that, you know, they expect you to achieve? Um, not just because you're, you know, a regular person here living in the world, but like specifically because of the immigrant, you know, background yeah. that your family has. I would say I used to. I used to feel pressure to do more constantly. And um, like my friends and family would remind me like you're doing what you need to do. Like you're doing good. Like uh, I just never felt like it was enough. There's just so much in the world, so much to do, so much, you know, our parents have done for us, <clears throat> etc. But ultimately, I got over that. <laughs> like when you say do more, what do you mean? I was thinking like I can create greater impact. Mm. So creating organizations and like specific to your changing communities or in general. I always try to find a, a connecting thread between all of my communities. Chicago, Ethiopia, mm. um, just all, I never could figure out like what I could do. Also, there's a lot of pressure to find like your one and true calling. That's mm. in a whole other conversation, like just so much pressure. And um, I always share this talk. Uh, it's like a Sunday. I forgot what it was called, but something by Oprah where mm. Brene Brown was talking about like following your curiosity. And there's so many like great people who have done just that and never thought they would be where they're at so you don't wake up saying like i want to be this it was like a long windy road of following your curiosity to get there there are people who are like i always wanted to be a writer or teacher or this and that that's great but that was never me and i just felt like the sinking feeling every time like i felt like i wasn't i don't know my passion i don't know my true calling like it just 
made me feel worse mm-hmm. <laughs> especially when people always talk to that like you should just follow it i'm like what what is it um so i call it like a quarter life crisis i think around 25 26 i yep. was freaking out <laughs> so funny and i let it all go um how did you do that mm-hmm. or what was the catalyst for you just saying like forget it like let me just live because i was actually accomplishing things but it wasn't good enough for me. Like, I had finished grad school. I had, like, got my place. I had done these things, but it wasn't... It, I realized, like, humans are just never satisfied. Like, and that you have you have one life. Yeah. And you really have to enjoy the good, the bad, the shit. Like, all of it. You have to just, like, live it. And so... I, I'm always, I tell you all the time, like, I don't believe in delayed happiness. Like, once I get here, then I can be happy. Like, you really have to enjoy the journey. Otherwise, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think that definitely, I mean, I've, I've think, I think about this all the time, even now about like, uh, you know, our parents sacrifice so much and then that peer pressure to like succeed and uh just like thinking that you're failing and like oh my god you know they traveled like so many thousands of miles just to work and you know for us to like you know be millennials who are what you represent is already a success yeah to them yeah do you get what i'm saying so it's just perspective it's just like you know you see a picture and you're like Ugh, i don't like it but 10 years from now you're like oh my god look how great i look <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> that's a silly example but yeah um you know when I think of my, I even remember like starting grad school and thinking I was too old. Like, girl, I I know. <laughs> I just finished. I think I'm I too old. I finished in 2017. And I was, I thought of, when I started, I was like, what's the purpose? Like, I'm yeah. just, all right. it's so silly. Now I just know that like wisdom tells you that everything will pass, but also that like, you should really enjoy this moment because 10 years from now, you're going to wish you were in this moment. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like the goalpost is always moving, but then you don't mm. realize like how much you've achieved already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, um, that's interesting. And I don't think I've tackled like these grandiose, grandiose goals and like, um, which I think I, I will have my time. One like day. what? Like what kind like, of? Like, you know, starting an initiative or a nonprofit, you know, like, like typical... what you give back to society. Kind yeah. Of thing. Yeah. I, I've been focusing on like one-on-one relationships, which is mm. where I feel like I thrive the most and more comfortable, uh, and where I have the most impact. So like, if I can change a few individuals perspective on things, that's better than like, you know, mediocrely like trying to. I don't know. Yeah. Transform a community, but not actually doing anything. It's more like ego, you know? Yeah. I'm very conscious of that too. Like, I'm not trying to do things like performative things mm. that are for the greater. Like, if I can impact my family or, or the people around me, I think that's that's also good. Yeah. And it's okay. Yeah. I, th- I find that a lot of. Yeah, no, I'll I'll leave it there. Yeah. That's another that's that's good. So that you would say that's your philosophy on life is to My philosophy in life is that um every decision you made was the right one. Um and you are exactly where you're supposed to be right now. And be okay with that. Like be at peace with that. And actually let it comfort you. Even if your family is Even if you're in disarray <laughs> and you're like 
crying every night or <laughs> whatever it is like i you know life is mm, it's hard mm. it's horrid 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 um, your ancestors are still proud of you it's horrid yeah so um just try your best you know you don't have great moments all the time but that's okay but you you are where you're supposed to be there is no like if should could would like that's just torture don't do that for so. sure well yummy thank you so much for chatting with me today mm-hmm. this was my first episode and just getting a peek into what it's like to growing up as a first gen here in america um and i definitely hope to have you back on the show again to talk about many other things so thank you so much yes you're welcome i was so excited so thank you for having me that's my guest yemi foreignish is produced by me the host Our theme is Man vs. Self, the Eric Jackson remix instrumental by Paradox Hip Hop. You can learn more about this show and our guests on our social media at Foreign-ish. Thanks for listening. Hope you'll join us next time.